I got this mic on. I don't preach for us tonight. I've asked him to come and preach. And wow. This is going to be the greatest message you ever heard in your life. It's going to be unbelievable. All right, brother. No pressure. I don't know why, but I'm nervous today. Well, you know what? You're allowed to be nervous. That's all right. Lord will take care of it. But really, we appreciate Brother Rigo, his ministry. And just all that he means to Community Baptist Temple and all that he means to the, 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 the ministry there over with the Spanish-speaking uh, folk. And, uh, boy, we are excited about what God's been doing there. And, uh, boy, I just thought it might be a nice little treat tonight, a little change of pace. And uh, I'm certainly pre- uh, glad that he's here, and I'm certainly looking forward to hearing what God has to say through him. God bless you, brother. Amen. All right. Hello? I don't know. I don't know why I'm a little nervous. I was going to say, what did you come here uh, to see uh, a reed shaking in the wind? Or a little Mexican shaking in his boots? (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. I forgot what I was going to say. I, I guess that's it. <laughs> so how are we doing? Good? Okay. Let me get my watch. Christmas watch? It's not a Rolex. It's not a Bulova. It's a Geneva. That's good, huh? So I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to borrow anybody's uh, uh, phone. I just put this right here, and uh, I'm not in a hurry because I, I work third shift, so I don't I don't work tonight. <laughs> so I hope nobody works third shift. Any anybody that works third shift? Oh well, good. <laughs> we got all night. <laughs> It's a short sermon. It's only uh, four points, three sub-points each. And I titled this, I, I titled it, When Pat, When Pat is Following, Call PS.34-6. I don't know if it makes any sense to you, but it makes sense to me. 
when, uh, when Pat, and I spell P-Pat, P-A-T-T, when Pat is following, call P-S dot 34 dash 6. Any Pats here? No, no, nobody by the name of Pat. Okay, so you wouldn't think I'm talking about you. Good. When Pat is following you, call PS34-6. I'm going to be uh, preaching from the Second uh, Thessalonians. Chapter uh, 1, and it's going to be the whole chapter. I mean, it's only, what, 12 verses, which is not a lot. So let's go. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and it's going to be from 1 to 12. Before I do anything else, I'm going to pray. Gracious Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thanking you, Father, that uh, we don't come in our own merits, but in the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for the shed blood. Uh, we ask that you would uh, speak to your people, speak to my heart, and do the work, Father, that I cannot do in, in their heart and in mine, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And before I forget, I will let you know what I mean when Pat is following called PS34-6. I would imagine that you, you, many of you, all of you know your Bible. And you know what the abbreviations for PS, right? Okay, I, I figured you would. And uh, P-A-T-T stands for persecution, affliction, trials, and uh, tribulation. And the people of God were going through them. In the, in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, they were going through those trials as Pat. And so Paul wrote them a letter encouraging them. Because they were saying, well, what about, what about those who have died? What's going to happen to them? So he wrote this letter to encourage them, to let them know that, hey, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because, because the, the, the dead in Christ are, are going to rise up first. Be the first ones up. Everything's going to be okay. Take it easy. I, I, my, my idea of uh, being buried sometimes, I, I think some goofy ideas, I don't know why, but I, I always think that I want to be buried uh, not like this, but like this. That they'll put me straight into the hole. And, and as they put me straight down into the hole, I, I want to have down in, in, in the bottom of the hole a spring. <laughs> That's weird, eh? I want to put like a spring down the bottom. I mean a strong spring. So when the rapture happens, and I hear the, the, the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And when I hear that, boom! I'll be the first one to shoot out. And all the ones that are dead, the, the brothers and sisters that are dead, they'll be back there. And I'll be going, hey, see you up there. I'll be the first one up there. I, I, I doubt it if I'm going to be the first one around the throne. There's going to be a lot of people around the throne. But here's Paul trying to uh, comfort those people in the... Uh, in First Thessalonians, about the rapture, and uh, don't worry about your loved ones that died. So he writes another letter in uh, Second Thessalonians, because the persecution is still going. It's still going. And, and, and the, the people are going to be persecuted. And uh, he tells them, listen, I, I know what's going on. I, I know what's happening, because, look, come on, Paul was going through it too. He wasn't new at this. It seemed like wherever Paul went, he wound up in jail, uh, stoned. Uh, there was much affliction in his life, tribulations and trials. So it, it, it wasn't like he didn't know about it. He knew about it. It's almost like I told somebody, every time Paul went into a city, it's almost like he, 
you might as well go to the, the county jail, the city jail, and, and say to the guy, the jailer, hey, prepare me a room, but I'm going to spend the night here. Get, fluff up my pillow. Get it ready, because I'll be here tonight. I mean, if you, when you read about Paul the Apostle, that devil really was on his heels. Constantly on his, on his heels. Because the devil knew who Paul the Apostle was. Remember the book of Acts? Jesus I know. Paul I know. But, but who are you? Oh, Paul, Paul was known by, by Satan. So he was right on his heels. It was that Pat following him. And Paul, man, he knew how to reach up to heaven. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me. And here's the people of God. I say we're blessing America. I, I, we can't say that we are experiencing that kind of persecution that is going on in other countries that you hear about in Muslim countries or communist countries. Now, somebody says, you think it's coming here? I said, I don't know. I, can't, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. If you leave it up to me, I say, don't, don't send the Lord. Don't send it. I don't want it. But he knows what's better for us. He knows what's better for us. But it seems like every Christian during the, the first century to now have experienced this, uh, this pat. And so I read, I read uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. I'll be reading from 1 to 3 for now. Paul and Sylvanius and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because you, that your faith grows exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth. Oh, that's beautiful. Here, Paul, encouraging the Christians in Thessalonica. And uh, from this, I, I get, my first point is this. I see this. I see the progress of the saved. The progress of the saved. Encouraging the Christians and, and writing a beautiful letter like this and, and saying to them, you're doing well. Like we know, who is it, Brother Hammond, who says? You're running well. You're running well. He says, you're running well. You're doing good. And, and I, I divided this into the, the, uh, the progress of the saint or the progression of the, of the saved in, in three sub-things. The first one is this. I see in verse 3, I see this. Let's go to Thessalonians. It says this. Your faith grows exceedingly. To me is, is this. Advancing in your Christianity advancing as a Christian. They were growing. They, they, were, they were not staying stagnant. Brothers and sisters, let me say this, that when I had my kids, I, I, I rejoiced when I saw them crawling, moving, walking, and running. I expected that. I wanted them to do those things. And, and I'm telling you this, God expects you and I as Christians to grow, to advance as Christians. He doesn't want us to stay babes in Christ. He doesn't want us to be drinking still milk, but get into the meat of the word. And if a couple of years have gone by, two, three, four, five, seven years or ten years, and, we, and you're still barely Walking as a Christian, I say, well, what's up with that? Even God Himself from heaven looks down and says, What is wrong with my children? It's been a while now, and they're still drinking milk. And Paul says to those Thessalonians, You're doing well, you're running well, you're, you're advancing as a Christian. God expects that from you, from me, as Christian people, not to stay the same way. But to grow, I, I, I know that we all grow differently. I know that some take bigger steps than others. I know that. 
But we need to move, even if it's just a little bit, but move forward. But uh, I don't understand this. Some people that I lead to the Lord, and, and when they tell me, because when I lead somebody to the Lord, I show them about baptism. And when they tell me they don't want to get baptized, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't backslide yet. Don't, don't backslide. At least walk three, five years with the Lord, and you can backslide. And of course, I'm kidding. But I tell them that I, at least walk three to five years, then you can backslide. But don't backslide right now. Jesus got saved. Go, go, get, go get baptized. I expect that. God expects that of you. So it bothers me when somebody who just got saved doesn't want to get baptized. Doesn't want to, also doesn't want to be in the house of the Lord. Doesn't read the Bible. Doesn't pray. I, 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 I tell them, listen, listen. Those desires, and you should have them, they're not yours. They're not yours. They come from above. I got the same spirit, and you say you got the same spirit. You should have those desires, especially as a brand new baby. And when I go see them, I tell them this, I tell them this. When I go see you, I don't expect you to hide from me. Have you ever had somebody like that hide from you? So most of you let them to the Lord, and then they hide from you. I said, wait a minute. I knock at the door, I says, and I can hear somebody inside. I say, hey, it's me. And they're hiding. I said, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Because if, if somebody saves you from drowning, somebody saves you from drowning, and you see him out in the street, anywhere, I bet you you're going to go to him and you're going to say, oh, thank you for saving me from drowning. Oh, thank you for saving my kid from drowning. You're not going to, you're not going to hide from him. You're even going to put, if you have a kid, he's going to be named after this guy to save you. You're going to appreciate it so much that he saved you from drowning. And, and that's what I expect when I lead somebody to the Lord. Not necessarily to lead somebody after me. <laughs> Rodrigo. Oh, man, what a beautiful name. I used to hate my name, man. I used to hate my name. Somebody asked me, what is your name? I was like, oh. I always think, what am I dead name? Rodrigo. Man. And then one time I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and this, this, uh, this black guy said to me, what's your name? He said, Rodrigo. He says, wow, that's a beautiful name. I'm going to name my kid Rodrigo. And I was like, really? Yeah, Rodrigo. And from then on, Rodrigo. <laughs> that's my name, Rodrigo. <laughs> Man, I said, that's a beautiful name. I don't expect, really, I don't expect for that person to name his kid after me, but I don't expect them to hide either. Amen. I let him to the Lord. Open up the doors, invite me in, and have something to eat. The progress of the saved, I see in one, two, three, and I see them advancing as a Christian. But look at another thing. Look at uh, the same verse. And then it says in Thessalonians, verse 3, Your faith grows exceedingly, yes. And then the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds. So they're advancing as a Christian, but another thing, they're abounding in charity. Love one for another. Their, their love for their Christian brothers and sisters is growing. It's abounding, it's flourishing, Paul says. And that's how it should be here. No, 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 no backstabbing. No, no talking about somebody behind your back. No. That's not abounding. That's not flourishing. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, I know, I heard about it. Isn't that terrible? Gossiping. He says to these people, you're, you're abounding. In charity. I, I see a lot of love when I go there, or even when the brethren go there and they bring me news. I says, Glory to God, hallelujah. Yeah. They're abounding in charity. It's growing. Their love is growing for each other. They're helping each other. They're praying for one another. Isn't that how it should be? Yeah. As a family? Not, not, not to be backstabbing each other. Not, not to be talking uh, about the preacher behind his back. None of that stuff. It's praying for one another, helping one another. When you see a need, you help out. 
to love one another, Paul said to those people. You're, you're doing it. I can see it by what they tell me and from what I hear from you. You're advancing as a Christian. You're abounding in charity. Doesn't the, the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with soul, heart, mind, soul, and body, and our neighbor as ourselves? Doesn't the Bible tell us to do this? And I'm thinking about this. Okay, why, why are they advancing as a Christian? Why are they abounding in charity? And the only reason I can come up with is this, which is my other sub-point. They're abiding in Christ. They're advancing as a Christian. They're abounding in charity. Why? Because they're abiding in Christ. And, and Jesus himself said in John 15, 5, abide in me. Because without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So I said, well, okay, so they are abiding in Christ. That's why they're growing. That's why they're advancing. That's why they are abounding in those things, because they're abiding in Christ. And it'll be, it'll be the same thing with you and I. If, if you and I are not abiding in Christ, if, if we're always quenching the Spirit, breathing the Spirit, we won't see this advancement in, in our Christianity. We won't see this abounding in charity. It won't happen. It will not happen. Because God says, without me, you cannot do those things. Without me, you can do nothing. Oh, yes, we can go to work. We can do this. We can do that. But when it comes to those spiritual things that he told us to do in his Bible, what he wrote in the Bible, you won't do it. I won't do it. It will be impossible. Got to abide in Christ. We have to abide in Christ in order to do those things. And then I can say that those people in Thessalonians, we're doing that. They were doing that. And, and, and Paul the Apostle, he's praising them. Oh, he says, keep on going. I, I know you're going through persecution. I know that. I've heard about it. They told me about it. I know that. But you keep on going. Keep abounding. Keep abiding. Keep advancing. Let's move on. Let's read uh, 4 and 5. 4 and 5. And 4 says this. So, that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. And 4 and 5, this is what I see. The patience of the saints. I, I was going to focus on the persecution of the saints. But I said, no, it's, it's, it's more the focus on the, on the patience of the saints. What's going on in their lives? It was horrendous. I, I would imagine it was terrible. You, you and I cannot even comprehend this kind of persecution when, when Pat follows. It was terrible. And here they were showing patience. Patience in the Lord, wait on the Lord, relying on the Lord that he will take care of us. He will do the right thing. No murmuring, no complaining, no giving up, no throwing in the towel. No! The patience the saints. Amazing. Hallelujah. And it's all because the Lord was working in them. Or maybe I should have said it's because they were allowing the Lord to work in their lives. And how, how was this persecution coming? Well, I'll give you three ways it was coming. The first one is this. The adversity from the world. 1 John 3, 13 says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. He said, don't be surprised. Jesus told his disciples, the world hated me, it's going to hate you. It's going to hate you. I told them about righteousness, judgment to come, sin. They didn't like it. Now you're staying here, now you're going to do that, they're going to hate you. They, they don't want to hear that. 
The world does not want to hear about righteousness, judgment to come. Remember that? Remember when you first heard it? Remember when you first heard it? I remember when I first heard it. I was 16, maybe. And when I heard it the first time, it went right over my head. I, I did not understand it. They were talking to me about the cross, the blood. It didn't make any sense to me. Of course, now I, I look back, and the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them who believe not. I was completely blind. I didn't understand it. But when I understood it, that I was a sinner, or at least they told me I was a sinner, I didn't want to accept it. I got mad. I got mad. I remember my, 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 my sisters would send me letters about salvation, about sin. I, I would grab them, crumble them up, and throw them away. Sinners. What are you talking about? I, I hate it. I didn't want to hear about it. But you get mad, like somebody said, then you get sad, and you get glad when you receive Christ as your Savior. The adversity from the world. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, 3, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will or shall suffer persecution. You, you shall suffer persecution. It's not a if, maybe, I don't know, shall suffer. When we live a godly life, the Bible says, we shall suffer persecution. Because the world does not want to see that. They, will, they don't want to hear that. Again, look at what happened to our Lord and Savior. They laughed at him. They made fun of him. They didn't like the message. Not everybody liked the message he was bringing. You think they, they would enjoy that message and the Sadducees hated that Pharisees didn't like it? You think it would be more that would enjoy hearing that, but they didn't like it? The adversity from the world. They don't want to hear that. And sometimes because of that, we ourselves get a little scared. And, and, and then we don't want to go out with the message because we think about the adversity from the world. And we like frozen at the mouth. I'm not going to open up my mouth. Especially when you see a guy, maybe six foot ten, 390, none of your business pounds like Pastor Shady used to say. And you say, well... I'll find somebody shorter and smaller. <laughs> I can beat him up if he does something. And, and maybe that big guy wants to hear it. Maybe he has a really soft heart. But you and I like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I'll go somewhere else. The adversity from the world. But not only the adversity from the world, but another thing, the attacks from the wicked. Or the wicked one. First Peter 5 eight. What does it say? It says, be sober, be vigilant. And the problem is sometimes you are not sober. I am not sober. I'm not vigilant. We fall asleep spiritually. So Satan comes and he sees that. And we're done. We fall. And, and God says, be sober, be vigilant. Isn't that what he told Peter? Watch and pray, Peter. So you don't fall into temptation. Watch for us to be at least one hour. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yes, and Peter said, eh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll be all right. No, he wasn't. And he says, hey, that line, that, 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 the, the, uh, that wicked one, the attacks of the wicked one are going to come when you least suspect it. Be careful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking, he's looking. And he's going to find a lot of Christians asleep spiritually. Then you and I are going to say, what happened? Well, what happened? You fell, didn't you? You fell asleep spiritually. Like Peter, you fell asleep. And now you don't know what to do. The adversity from the world, the attacks from the wicked, but I'll give you one more. How about this one? The assaults from within. And I can divide that into flesh and friend. Let me start with flesh. Galatians 5, 16 says, You walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, you know what? Like somebody said, the person that gives me a lot of trouble is that man I see in the mirror. Or that woman you see in the mirror. That, that gives me so much trouble. The flesh. 
all my problems, a lot of my problems, the flesh has gotten in the way. Or I let it get in the way. Or somebody said, you resurrected the flesh. So what, what's going on? I thought it was dead. I thought you died with Christ. And the life that you live now, you live by faith in the Son of God, who, who died for you and loved you. Well, that's flesh. And I'm not giving you an excuse. No, I'm not. Because you and I have no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. None. None. Absolutely zero excuse. Because he says, if you walk in the spirit, you shall not. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. No excuse. Oh, that flesh. Oh, that flesh. The assaults from within the flesh. But let me break down the flesh even more. It can be even between blood or brother. And by blood, I mean those of your own loins. Your own sons and daughters, the assaults from within. The assaults from within can be your own blood. Do you remember Absalom and David? What Absalom did to David? His own flesh, his own blood. Who would have thought this? David loved Absalom so much that he was willing to die for Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. That Joab said, it seems to me that you would rather see us dead than Absalom. He told him. He loved Absalom. The assault from within could be your own, your own blood. Well, that hurts. Man, that hurts. You would expect it from an enemy, but not from your own blood. Oh, that hurts. And, and let, let me say this too. Not only blood, but how about a brother? A brother in, 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 the, in the Lord. The, the assault from within. Do we forget? Well, Demas forsook Paul. But the assaults can be from a, a blood, a relative, out of your own loins, or a brother in the, in, in the church that can do this to you. The assault from within. But also, not only flesh, but how about a friend? Remember Ahithophel? Remember Judas? God said to Judas, betrays the son of man with a kiss. What doest thou, friend? He saluted him as a friend. And here Judas was betraying the son of God. Ahithophel was David's counselor. The, the Bible talks in the book of Psalms that they walked together. But I'm sure that was also a prophecy, a future prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ and Judas betraying him. But he betrayed uh, David, Ahithophel, and Judas. This is the assault was in. Oh, boy, do we need patience. But that, that's the patience of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you can muster, you can muster, and I can muster my own patience. Or at least it looks like it's patience. But inside, there's a tornado going. There's a whirlwind going. I said, come on. That's not the patience that God is trying to give you. It's better than that. In times of storms, he gives you that patience, that peace. That only comes from God. Oh, the patience of the saints when they were being followed after, thrown in jail, their loved ones killed. Paul the apostle said, you're doing well. The patience of the saints, you're running well. Keep it up. I know it's hard. Keep it up. Keep going. When Pat follows after your heel. Whew. Psalms 34 that I gave you. It's not the only one, really. Psalms 34, 6. There's others, but that's the one that came to my mind. There's others you can call. And the good thing about it, that, that God is always ready and able and available to answer those those calls. He's not asleep. Like some of my brethren call me and say, hey, you didn't answer the phone. I was probably asleep. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. Like I do on Sundays. Man, I like my naps. I don't like them any other time. But on Sundays, I don't know what, what it is. On Sundays, I want to take a nap. And, and, and it's not because it's, I'm, I'm, I started preaching on Sundays. I think I used to do that before Sunday. So I think it must be like a, like a gene in, in a Mexican or the Hispanic people. 
or people from Europe, I don't know, they have to take a nap. A nap usually consists of one hour minus three hours. One hour wouldn't do it. They will not do it. So we have the patience of the saints, the progress or progression of the saved. Let's go to 69. 69. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. And 69, it says this. Seeing, as, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. My third point is this, the perdition of the sinners. The perdition of the sinner. Because perdition is to be lost. You're going to be lost. Yes, Paul the Apostle told him, I know that they're treating you wrong. Oh, I know that they're mean, mean to you. Wicked. Someday they're going to die. And they're going to go to hell. Not that Paul the, the Apostle desires such a thing. But he knew what the Bible says. Not, not that God enjoys such a thing, because he already told us he doesn't, he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He wants everybody to repent and come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but, but you tell me, what is the Lord to do after he gave his son and they don't want nothing to do with his son? They, I don't think they'll enjoy heaven. I, I know they won't enjoy heaven. Because before I was saved, I didn't enjoy coming to church. Not that I went to church a lot. Maybe once or twice. I didn't like it. One time they invited me because I needed to eat, and that's all they had over there. Eat, eat, eat. So I went. I didn't care for it. I didn't care to sing the, the songs of Zion because I didn't have the spirit in me. It reminds me of this story about this gambler in the 1800s where, when they used to use those uh, steam paddle boats and uh, they used them for gambling. So it was getting ready to leave and he quickly jumped into that steam paddle boat because he wanted to gamble. Once he got there, to his surprise, it was a whole bunch of Christians singing, praising God. And he was miserable. He hated it. He says, I don't belong here. I want to get out of here. But he was stuck. And I think, I believe, that's how the unsaved people, if they were in heaven, if God was to let them in heaven, they would hate it. Not to mention they would try to ruin it. But God won't let them in. The perdition of the sinner. Why? Why the perdition of the sinner? Let me give you four points real quick. Four sub-points. The first one is this one. It's found in John 9.40. Well, it's John 5.40, I'm sorry. John 5.40. The perdition of the sinners, why? Because in John 5.40, Jesus said to the people, the Hebrew people, you will not come to me that you might have life. You won't come to me. It's not that you can't. You won't. You, you won't come to me. I, I, I'm extending my arms to you, and you will not come to me. You will not do it. They didn't want to. It's not because they couldn't. So it is with everybody that sits here who's not saved. It's not because you can't. It's because you won't. God gives everybody an opportunity to know Christ as Savior. So it's this. They receive not his grace. They don't receive his grace. They don't want it. What is God to do then? They don't receive his grace. That's one of them. How about this one? In Acts 12, 22. And the angel of the Lord smote him. Who? Herod. Because he gave, not got the glory. And the other thing is, they robbed him of his glory. They robbed him of his glory. They don't receive his grace, they rob him of his glory. Don't we see that happening? 
what, what, what they want to teach our kids about evolution? When the Bible says that the, the, the stars or the sun or the moon declare the glory of God. But no, they rob him of his glory. Humanism. We are our own gods. We are our own creation. Nobody made us. So they refuse his grace. They rob him of his, of his glory. How about this one? Luke 19, 14. A parable that the Lord Jesus Christ says. And he says, those men who don't want him to reign, that man who went to a far country, came back, they say, we will not have this man reign over us. So they refuse his government. They don't want nothing to do with his government. Absolutely nothing to do with his government. And his government is a righteous government, a just government. We, we read it. It's good. But many times you and I are the same way. We, we don't want to be governed by maybe the Lord Jesus Christ. We think we, we know better sometimes. We think we know better. Sometimes we rub him of his glory. When we should be giving him his glory, sometimes we rub him of his glory. And here we have those men who refuse his government. We will not have this man reign over us. How about this one? The last one. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is he that I should obey his voice? And in Malachi 1.6, Jesus says, where's my honor? Where's my fear? A am I not a father? Am I not the master? Where's my honor? Where's my fear? Polluting the sacred, those uh, priests. Which, which is this. They don't recognize his greatness. He is a great God. He's an awesome God. No God like him. Never be a God like him. But they don't, they don't receive his grace. They rub him of his glory. They refuse his government. They do not recognize his greatness. What a great king he is. And sometimes maybe you and I might be guilty of it. I don't know. This great king, the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of glory. He told Moses, take your shoes off, for where you stand is holy ground. Oh, what a great God you serve, who gave you everlasting life, who gave us a sin, and he's preparing for you and me a home in heaven. What a great God, who saved you by grace, not of yourself, because any man should boast, not of works. What a great God. This was not the invention of man. Like Paul said, this gospel comes from heaven. It was given to me by God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't the invention of man. Because man says, you got to do this, you got to do that. In order to go to heaven. It's not from this world. It originated in heaven. And that's why when you and I give the gospel, that's why when you and I give the gospel, it's got to be in the spirit. It's got to be filled with the spirit because it's a, it's a gospel from heaven. It's a message from heaven. And you and I find it hard to deliver this thing in the flesh. Woo, it's hard. You know it's true. It's hard to deliver this in the flesh. You can't do it. But it comes, because it comes from heaven. It, it originated in heaven. So you and I are shaking in our little boots trying to take the gospel in our own flesh. It makes it so difficult. But when we're filled with the Spirit, led, led by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, it makes it a lot easier. Because now it's the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit leading you, controlling you, guiding you. It, it makes it a lot easier. Who can dispute that? And here we have those, the perdition of the sinner. I, I hope, I pray, that right now there's nobody in this category sitting here right now. That there's nobody in this category that fits the perdition of the sinner. That... that, that if, if, if pastor was to say, or I was to say, are you 100% sure if you die tonight, would you go to heaven? That you would raise your hand high up in the air and you just wave it, wave it. You wouldn't care who saw you. You wouldn't care at all. You're not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm ready. Maybe I don't want to go right now, but I'm ready. I hope you're not taking a buzzload, but I'm ready, though. 
Because you mean it. And of course, you can fool me. You can fool the pastor. You can fool somebody else. You can't fool the Lord. You can't fool him. And, I, and I've seen some people, even in the Spanish class, when I say that, they're like this. I see them go like this. They want to see who raises their hand and who doesn't. Even though I say, lower your heads, close your eyes. They don't want to be the only one with a hand down like this. So it's like, oh, oh boy, everybody has it. I, me too. I'll raise my hand up too. I don't know if it happens here. I mean, pastor knows it. But why would you want to do that? God knows it. You're lying to yourself. The heart is deceitful about all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. So, the patience of the saints, the perdition of the sinners, the progress of the saved. And I read 10 and 12, and I, I, I really am trying to hurry. 10 and 12. 10 and 12 says this. Let's go back to uh, 2 Thessalonians. 10 and 12 says, When he shall come, Jesus, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore, also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I read this, I see it. I know he's telling them, hey, he's coming back. And he's, and he's going to make it right. He's going to make it right. I know it's hard right now. I know you're going through tribulation. Pat is after you. But he's coming back. Remember I already told you about the rapture and the dead in Christ? Well, he's coming back with a vengeance. So I label this. All praise to our Savior. All praise to our Savior. All praise to our Savior. All of it. And do not rob him of any praise. He says, he's coming back. He's going to make it well. Oh, I know what's going on. But all praise goes to our Savior. I know what you're going through. But listen, he's helping you. Don't, don't, don't you think that you're doing it by yourself. Don't even imagine you're doing it by yourself. It's God actually helping you right now. All praise goes to the Savior. Everything that's good, the Bible says, comes from above. So don't think in your heart that you are doing it by yourself. It's all praise to the Savior. And I give you three things. The first one is this. All praise to our, to our Savior for, for the grace of God. For our grace that you saved. And I mention it, and I mention it again. All praise to the Savior for why? For the grace of God. How he saved you. All praise to our Savior for the goodness of God. Because the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It was that goodness of God that led you to repentance, the Bible says. But I know that in Romans, says that sometimes our hearts are so hard, so, so unrepentant. But he has to do maybe another work in you. And, and, and maybe force you to believe the harder way. God says, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I, I, my goodness. You, you, should, you should receive me because of my goodness. All praise to the Savior for the grace of God. All praise to the Savior for the goodness of God. All praise to the Savior for the gift of God. Romans 6.23, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have that gift? Do you have it? Have you been born again? 100% sure if you die tonight, you would go to heaven. Listen, he died for sinners and we're sinners. Non-righteous. Non-righteous. And until you see that, there is no salvation for you. There is no salvation. Because you're not going to cry out to the Lord until you, you see yourself as he sees you. Undone. Deserving of hell. For the gift of God. All praise to the Savior for the grace of God, for the goodness of God. And my last one, all praise to the Savior for the gospel of God. 
according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He did it all. <laughs> he did it all. And all we had to do was, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He made it so simple for us. We make it so difficult. You hear people about, oh, baptism, oh, good works, oh, keeping the Sabbath. And I said, no, Jesus says, just believe in me with all your heart. And you should be born again. I'll forgive your sins, give you everlasting life, and take you to heaven. And we, we refuse it. If you haven't received Christ as your Savior, do it today. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. But today is a day of salvation. It's like this pastor said, God only has right now and today. <laughs> and today, right now, is the day of salvation. Tomorrow, you don't know anything about tomorrow. And I don't, I don't know either. Receive Christ right now. So you can go to heaven. And you, will be, you won't be one of those people that be cast into the lake of fire. Shall we stand? I don't know if you want me to...